Thanks for joining us for the Fight for Your Marriage podcast with Charlene Steinkamp. This is a place where you can find hope for your marriage through Jesus Christ. Hi, it's Lori. I'm so excited that I get to join you for the Fight for Your Marriage podcast today. I hope you get to sit back, grab your Bible, and take some notes as we talk about the topic of reflection. Well, Happy New Year to all of you. This is the first opportunity that I've had on the Fight for Your Marriage podcast to give you New Year's greetings, and I hope that you all have had a wonderful start of 2020 so far. I know that we have been encouraged as we have read through the testimonies that have come in and really been able to see ways that God answered prayers over the holidays for so many of you, even the small things. And that is such a blessing to us to be able to see you praising God in the small situations and the small answers to prayer, whether it's a Merry Christmas greeting from your prodigal spouse or whether it was a meal that you were able to share together. We've loved reading through those. So if you didn't submit a testimony yet, telling us what answers to prayer you saw over the holidays, there's still time to do it. You can go to our website at rejoiceministries.org and submit your testimony there. and We would love to read it. It's that time of year again when people are busy setting new goals, they're choosing their word of the year or creating a new diet plan. Do you get into all the hype and the excitement that goes with the start of a new year? I know that I do. I'm a planner. I love to goal set. I love a fresh calendar and organizing. So the start of a new year is amazing to me. However, I'll be honest and tell you that I don't stress myself out to get things done and in order by January 1st. Christmas is always a busy season for us personally and professionally as we close out the year. So I'm usually just coming up for air around the start of the year. And I like to give myself time to get life in order again. So I spend the first couple weeks of January kind of going over things and reflecting and setting some goals for the year. One thing that I love doing, I learned from John Maxwell's book called The 15 Invaluable Laws of Growth. And in this book, he speaks about the law of reflection. There's such an importance to taking time to reflect on the past. There's a scripture in Deuteronomy 32, 7 that says, remember the days of old, consider the generations long past, ask your father and he will tell you your elders and they will explain to you. There's just something about remembering the past and the things that have happened that are so important. One thing that John Maxwell does is he reflects through an annual evaluation You can read his book to really understand how in-depth he goes, but he basically takes last year's calendar and does a review to see what he wants to change for the coming year. He'll ask himself questions like, what was my highest high? Or what was my lowest low? What is my best habit? Or what is my worst habit? I like to add questions relating to my spiritual growth as well. Where was I successful in my quiet time? Where did I struggle? And what are some spiritual goals that I could set for the new year? I love the idea of going back and reflecting because we live in such a busy time that it seems like days pass us by so fast and we don't take time to really sit and think about things that have happened. I can be guilty of this. 
I always like to say that I have undiagnosed ADD. I can fly from task to task, never really accomplishing what I wanted to when I started out. It happens when I do chores around the house, when I'm working, even in my devotional life. I have great plans in my mind, but they don't always work out the way I wanted to. And as I was looking over 2019 and setting some plans for 2020, I realized that we can learn so much when we take time to really be reflective. I don't want to just hear and not act. I want to be willing to take action in all areas of my life. James 1.23 says, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. I don't want to just be a hearer. I want to do things. And part of reflecting is seeing God and the reality of who he is. Nothing breaks my heart more than when we hear from someone who says that God has abandoned me or God didn't restore my marriage yet, so he doesn't care about me. I hurt because I know how wounded that person must feel to make that statement. But I hurt because I know it's not true. God is still on the throne, even in the hard times. Reflecting on our past allows us to see God in reality, not to see God through our emotions. I love to take pictures. I love to have the remembrance of a moment. Some of my kids' friends even tease me because they say that I snap too many pictures, even of them. I like to remind their friends that when they're looking for a photo from third grade on the basketball court, they'll know who to call because likely I'll have it. I found that when I go back and look at pictures, they don't always tell the real story. If I take a picture in my house, for example, I'll make sure that I find a corner that's neat and tidy. Now that's a snapshot of that moment, but it might not be reality. What you can't see outside that frame is a sink full of dishes or the baskets of laundry waiting to be folded. We cannot define God by one snapshot of our life. Don't take one minute of a situation and determine that based on that little snapshot, that's who God is. When my parents divorced, God was still good and still on the throne. When I made mistakes, God was still good and still on the throne. When I encountered trials in my life, God was still good and still on the throne. When God didn't answer prayers that I had been pleading and begging for, he was still good and still on the throne. God owes us nothing. Just because he didn't answer your prayer, your way, and in your timing doesn't mean that he hasn't already answered that prayer. He is able to be trusted. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, God knew that there was a bigger thing being accomplished. At the time, it was probably hard to understand that. People probably stood there wondering, why must he endure this? Why won't God save him? The snapshot of Jesus on the cross was a picture of that moment, but it didn't show the full picture of what was really happening in our world. At church, we've been recently studying the book of Ruth, and I've really been enjoying the reminder of this wonderful story of Ruth and Naomi. I want to encourage you to take a few minutes and to read through the first few chapters. They are very short, so it shouldn't take you long to read through them. Naomi and her daughter-in-law, Ruth, both lost their husbands. Naomi not only lost her husband, but both of her sons. She was mad at God, and she felt like he was not taking care of her. 
She basically raised her fist to God. In Ruth 1.13, Naomi literally says that God has turned his hand against her. Have you ever been there? Have you ever yelled at God asking why he wasn't being your provider? Have you ever asked God why you have to suffer? Naomi returned to her hometown of Bethlehem. And then again, in chapter 1, verse 21, she's telling people that God had abandoned her. As you read through the first few chapters, you're going to see how God did not take his hand off these two ladies. And soon, Naomi starts to realize that things were happening because of the sovereignty of God. If we looked at one snapshot of their lives, we probably would have felt like Naomi did, that God had forsaken her. I mean, he did allow her husband and her sons to die. But as Bob and Charlene like to say, but God, he was doing far more than could be seen on the surface. The book of Ruth even closes with the genealogy of Ruth and Naomi. Ruth's son, Obed, was the grandfather to King David. Naomi was King David's great, great grandmother. The lives of these ladies would ultimately lead through their bloodline to David, the king of Israel, but also Jesus Christ. That is such a powerful reminder because Naomi thought that she had been forsaken when in reality, she had a fantastic bloodline coming ahead of her. The stand you're taking today is not just about your marriage. And we say that over and over, and I want you to be reminded of that. It is not about wanting a partner to spend weekends with. It's about drawing a line in the sand and submitting your family, your future family, to a God who knows more than just what one snapshot shows. As Naomi reflected, she began to realize that she saw God's hand on her life. I want you to take time to reflect. What do you see? Where has God answered prayers? Where have you seen him protect you from things that you've prayed for? I received a beautiful letter recently, and part of it really stuck out to me. This woman wrote, I wish my husband would repent and surrender to God's will for his life. I wish he was more active in the lives of our kids, but all of this is in God's hands. I don't know if God will restore my marriage this side of heaven. I may never know why this happened, but I have never doubted in God's power or ability to restore us. I'm okay with whatever God's plan is. If my husband would have never left, I would have never known my loving father as I do, nor would I have learned to trust and grow in faith as I have these last years. So what Satan meant for harm, God has brought good and such joy and love. Isn't that just beautiful? She gets it. God loves you. He loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you. So don't judge the God who created the heavens and the earth based on one snapshot of your life where your marriage has fallen apart. As we begin a new year and a new decade, I really want you to take time to reflect. Reflect on your past. Reflect on areas where God has helped you. Part of reflecting is examining areas where you need to make adjustments. I'm sure you know the old adage that you can't pour from an empty cup. And as a spouse, you can't be who God intended you to be to your partner unless you are full of him. 
What have you done over the past 12 months to make you a better spouse? Now, even if you want to say, well, my spouse doesn't live with me, it doesn't matter. Your goal in standing for marriage restoration is to prepare to be the spouse that maybe you weren't when you were living under the same roof. So shouldn't you be putting some time and energy into fixing the areas where maybe you failed as a spouse? I know that my mom, Charlene, always has said that she realized after the divorce the areas where she had failed. No, she didn't have an affair and she wasn't dealing with some of the moral failures that my dad was facing. But when she really got alone with God and got honest with herself, she knew that she had not been the wife she was supposed to be and that she had to take responsibility for the ways that she failed in the marriage as well. I want you to prepare for the future. My three college kids were home recently and we were talking about a specific area of parenting. My husband quickly gave me credit saying, well, that one was all mom's idea. And this particular parenting skill wasn't actually my idea. When we were newly married and had not even really thought about having a family, I would often spend my lunch hour listening to James Dobson on the radio. While many of the parenting topics were irrelevant to me at the time, I made note of many of them in preparation for being a mom someday. If you want to be a better husband or wife, now is the time to prepare. God can speak so clearly to you through times of reflection. Ask him to show you areas where, maybe like Naomi, you've accused him of abandoning you. But when you step back and look at the big picture, you actually see where God has provided through that situation. Our pastor recently said that God's providence is best seen after the fact. Sometimes it's hard to see God moving when you're in the middle of it. And that is so true. Have you ever looked at a piece of art and you kind of can't figure out what it's supposed to be, but you have to step back and really focus? That's what I'm challenging you to do. Step back and focus and have some reflection time on where you've been and what God has brought you through. God is not a God who abandons people. Show me a place in the Bible where he was not working at the bigger picture. If God has abandoned you and what you say is true, then he is not who the Bible says that he is. And I simply don't believe that. The Bible is full of those if-then-that principles. Second Chronicles 7.14 is one example. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and heal their land. In Priscilla Shire's Bible study, Anointed, Transformed, and Redeemed, she has a soliloquy that sums it up perfectly, and I want to share it with you today. He is the first and the last, the beginning and the end. He's the keeper of creation and the creator of all. He's the architect of the universe and the manager of all time. He always was, always is, always will be unmoved, unchanged, undefeated, and never undone. He was bruised, but brought healing. He was pierced, but eased pain. He was persecuted, but brought freedom. He was dead and brings life. He has risen to bring power and he reigns to bring peace. The world can't understand him. Armies can't defeat him. Schools can't explain him. And leaders, they can't ignore him. Herod couldn't kill him. 
Nero couldn't crush him, and the New Age cannot replace him, and Oprah cannot explain him away. You remind yourself that he is the light, he is love, he is longevity, and he is Lord. He is goodness and kindness and faithfulness, and he is God. He is holy and righteous and powerful and pure. His ways are right, his word eternal, his will unchanging, and his mind is on us. He is our savior, our guide, our peace, our joy, our comfort, our Lord, and he rules our lives. I serve him because his bond is love, his yoke is easy, his burden is light, and his goal for us is abundant life. I follow him because he is the wisdom of the wise, the power of the powerful, the ancient of days, the ruler of rulers, the leader of all leaders. His goal is a relationship with me. He'll never leave you, never forsake you, never mislead you, never forget you, never overlook you, and never cancel your appointment in his appointment book. When you fall, he'll lift you up. When you fail, he'll forgive you. When you're weak, he's strong. When you're lost, he's your way. When you're afraid, he's your courage. When you stumble, he will steady you. When you're hurt, he's going to heal you. When you're broken, he will mend you. When you're blind, he will lead you. When you're hungry, he will feed you. When you face trials, he's with you. When I face persecution, he shields me. When I face problems, he will comfort me. When I face loss, he will provide for me. And when we face death, he will carry us all home to meet him. He is everything for everybody, everywhere, every time, and in every way. He is your God, and that is who you belong to. God is who he says he is. Will you take time to reflect over the past year, over the past months, over the past couple of years? Ask God where he wants you to go back and what he wants you to look at and spend time reflecting on where he has brought you and what he has brought you through. And let's enter 2020. Instead of being defeated and discouraged and feeling like God's abandoned us, let's enter 2020 as people who are on fire for God, people who have so much faith in what we know God can do that we don't walk around looking sad and depressed and defeated. We walk around looking like people who have already won the victory. Heaven is waiting for us. We know what our future holds. We don't have to walk around defeated because we know where we're going. I can't wait to hear the ways God speaks to you through this exercise. I know that he is faithful, and I know he's going to use it to grow you and strengthen your faith. If we can help you in any way, we invite you to visit the website of Rejoice Marriage Ministries at www.rejoiceministries.org. Thanks for joining us today as we proclaim that God heals hurting marriages.